Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Mark to introduce today's sermon. Good morning. Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho welcomes you to part four in our continuing series, Marks of a Living Church. Do you make time to be with your family? What do you need to make your life complete? Jesus calls us to abide in him, yet what does that mean? What does that require? Today we hear how important time spent in Christ's word becomes for our families, our success, and true happiness. Jesus alone brings abiding, fruitful living to us. So how do I seek the kingdom of God? Number one, I will make time to meet with my life group. That's where God's kingdom takes place. And though I may not understand it or see it, I believe it. Then down the road, when life begins to crumble, God will use my training, my equipping, and my connection with my life group brothers and sisters to sustain me and be strong. You think that life group and the fact that church was meeting in little groups throughout the week was an option? By no means. If we think that we can or cannot because we've got other responsibilities, we couldn't be more wrong when it comes to being part of the church and following Christ. Look at John 15 verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. In a way, that kind of is conditional. You abide in me and if you're abiding in me, I will be abiding in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit from itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And he, re- he restates it. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. And you can think of that being a general description of everything that is both a command, a blessing, a requirement, and a leading by God that your life will be lived to the fullest. That's the fruit. And everything that we need bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So there we can draw that conclusion that my life may be in the state that it is in. The storms are depressing me and destroying me from within because they are. And the possibility that I am so weak is because I'm not abiding. And even the small group, the life group, what it does is teaches me not to be, not to abide with a group, but to abide with Jesus. Because that's where we encourage and we remind, we protect, and we challenge each other to abide in Jesus. And that's the Word of God. Verse 7 and then verse, actually 8, 7 and 10 of the same chapter in John 15. He continues to explain the importance of the abiding and the remaining, the enduring. My Father is glorified by this. Why must I bear so much fruit? Because verse 5 says that you bear much fruit. Why fruit? Why must I have fruit in my life? Then he says, because my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And when you live your life to the fullest, and there's fruit in your life both within and without in touching people's lives, here's what happens. You prove to be my disciples. Two ways. It is a 
continuous affirmation and assurance to yourself, I belong to the Lord. Yes, I'm certain that I am headed to heaven. Two, your life will be a testimony and a bell that rings in the mind and lives of your neighbors. And God will use your life to draw them to Him. Verse 7 If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now we have to qualify that. The more you abide in him, the more you will wish what God wishes. The more you live for what God lives, so therefore what you will wish for will be within God's word. Nevertheless, Jesus says, when you abide in me, ask for anything and it will be done. And ten, if you keep my commandments... How do we abide? What does it mean? Does it mean to just be present? No. It says, listen, abiding means keeping my commandments. What does it mean to keep? means obeying, means embracing, means loving to know, and then the excitement to live out in faith no matter what. How do we abide? If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love. Oh, Jesus, I love you. And we sing the songs. And the Lord says, okay, you love me. Are you in the word? Are you reading? Are you studying? The moment we hear life group Bible study, we should say, I'm dropping everything. I want to be rooted in that word. Not only will that bring fruit, but that will sustain and strengthen you for when the storms come. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments and I abide in my Father. The roots run deep. Secondly, the rivers run wide. And I go right back to Psalm chapter 1. It talks about this man that, that loves the Word of God. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water. You know what? Until recently, I limited that to a single understanding, which is if you are in God's Word, God will plant your life, and if one stream runs out, God will provide another stream. But then it dawned on me, wait a minute. If my life is well-rooted in the Word of God, I will know how to be planted next to His streams. I will choose the streams that He offers. What does that mean? Fellowship on Sunday, fellowship on Wednesday, fellowship on Friday, listening to God's Word on Monday, listening to songs on Thursday. Those are the streams that are constantly breathing life into my heart because life is hard and the enemy is staunch and wicked. He's a destroyer of people. You've got to be planted deep among streams of water. Look at Psalms 1 verse 2. Here's the man of God that is fruitful. His delight is in the law of Yahweh. When you ask him, what would you rather do? The game or reading a psalm? Oof, tough one. What would you rather do? Go fishing or go to a Bible study? Can I have a Bible study in the woods? It's what people say. They say, nature is my cathedral. Please show me a Bible verse that says that. Because in nature, you probably are alone, and you're not created to be alone. Now listen, I'm not trying to go way to the extreme. The problem is that we're so way extreme on this side, i got to be this extreme on this side to bring you back to the middle. Us in general. This man, he delights in the law of Yahweh. And by the way, 
Uh, we had a saying as a child, I, I did not eat. They had to stuff me like a goose. And they kept telling me that appetite comes as you're eating. Did you get that ever? The, no. This delight is actually given to you by the Holy Spirit as you confess your weakness and lack of. And say, now God, fill me. My flesh doesn't want you. My flesh wants to go on a, a bike ride, motorcycle ride, wants to go fishing. But the Holy Spirit, again, I'm not saying that we got to go to a monastery. You understand? This life in balance, seek first the kingdom of God. Not only, right, seek first the kingdom of God. And God will take care of all the other things. His delight, it's what the Holy Spirit gives you that when you read the Word of God, you feel the chains fall off. You feel the heart want to raise up and fly in freedom. Say, yes, Lord, as you read, yes, Lord. And His law, He meditates day and night. The delight is something that the Holy Spirit has to give you. The meditating is what you have to do. The commitment in staying in the Word of God. And this is what you can do and what, is, has, what happens in that life group. That's what the first church did. They met daily and they were learning from the apostles. Tell us more. Tell us more. Oh, I can use this for this and my life can mean that. I need more of this. You meditate. You choose to sit down and focus on the Word of God. And He will be like a tree firmly that's the word for rooted, firmly planted by the streams of water. And here's what happens. It's going to yield its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatsoever he does, he prospers. I tell you, you've got to go out there with Jerry as he plants in the spring, and there's nothing but dirt and mud, and he's got to work hard. But he knows, if I do this, and I'm going to wait, in the fall, I'm reaping. And that's the joy. I continue to focus and meditate and plant, though it doesn't make sense. But by faith, I know that if I do, the bread comes back every single time. This is seeking the kingdom first, and God will do all the other things. I remember as a young boy in Romania, we had school six days a week. And they tried the older ones, and oh, my wife was part of it, the older ones on Sunday, so they could not go to church. They would tell them, you got to go and do community service for the state. And they were just, the labor it was intensive in the schooling. The testing was just over our heads. And on Wednesday night was church. And on Thursday morning I would have a test. And the tests were rigorous. And I would want to study. And as a young boy, I realized if I choose to go to church that Sunday night from 7 to 9, when I come home to study, God's going to give me in two hours of study what I would have tried to do all night long in five hours and wasted my time. How many times? If you sat down to read a book and you thought about this, that, or the other, answered an email, got a coffee, turned the TV on, and by the time five hours went by, you've done nothing. And I said, no, Lord, I'm going to go to church as a child, and I'm going to listen, I'm going to learn, I'm going to sing. And I would go home, would you believe it or not, I would start studying, and in one hour I would understand and know and be ready for the next day. Seek the kingdom of God first. You see, look at John 4.13. Intimate Bible study, by the way little life group between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Sometimes you may prepare for a life group and or a church, and you've got this great sermon, and you're imagining thousands of people, hundreds listening to your sermon, you come to church, five people. You're like, wait a minute. 
What am I going to do with this great amount of information I want to give people? Nobody's here. Jesus gave the most amazing message to one person so often. Jesus answered her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Because he asked her, give me something to drink. But whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never thirst. And in my translation it says, ever. Accentuates it. Drives it. It's his promise. When you drink of his water, you will never thirst. Eternally and here throughout life ever. The need for encouragement from others. The need for direction and wisdom from others. The need for others to speak into your life. You personally will never need it. However, you're called to give it to others. But the water I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. That's his promise which he has sealed on the cross. You say, though a sermon may be like a fire hydrant, and you have a little, uh, little glass in your hand, like you'll take what you can. In a life group, the stream of information can be turned down a little bit. There's no rush, and you're studying slowly, deeply, until it makes sense. And one question leads to another. Oh, so often, even with our congregation, at your table, we would sit and someone would start with a question, Pastor, what do you think of this? And we'd try to answer, open scripture, and then, well, wait a minute, I got a question about this. And, and it just begins to overflow like a waterfall of information, of daily needs. How do I live? Scripture has the answer every time. Listen, by no means... Do I want people to walk away and all they remember is me flailing my hands? But the Lord says, come and rest by still waters. That's being rooted by the streams in the life group, the home group. The first church did this in house churches. Benefits of a small group Bible study. It's intimate. Inadvertently, it connects lives together. Even at first, if you just listen, eventually you listen enough until you're drawn out to speak. You get to know each other to a different level. And now you're living as a family, really. And you're running after the Lord and deepening in the, in the scriptures. Intimacy leads to honesty. Not easy. It doesn't come naturally. But the more you know someone, the more honesty will be. Honesty leads to directed interest. Now I want to know, how about this? And I believe you, I trust you. What would you do as you get to know people? Directed interest eventually leads to conviction. Oops, I better stop doing that, I guess. The Holy Spirit taps you on your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, this is for you. You may not say it out loud, but you're going to go home driving. Okay, I'm going to stop doing that. That conviction is transforming you. Transformation leads to strength. And that's where we're called to live holy lives. Now, we don't walk around with guilty minds saying, oh, I can't do this because I know who I am. Oh, I can't do that because I know who I am. Now, all of this connection within the home group, life group, biblical setting of church is transforming me because that's the whole idea of being rooted. And strength eventually leads to victory. In a small group setting, you can ask questions. You can participate in a discussion. You can share insights and hear to others. You see, the Bible must be applied. The Bible must be lived out. It must be applied to your own personal situations. 
And that happens best in a life group as you're connected and rooted in God's Word and connected to others. As you study God's Word and apply it, you learn more about God and learn more about each other. And the more you get to know both Him and each other, the more you're going to get to love Him and love each other. And the more you love Him and love each other, the more you'll say, I'll do anything for you. No wonder Jesus says, if you leave mother, father, jobs and homes for my sake you'll receive a hundred times brothers and homes and and mothers you got no place to live come live with me why because i know you and i can imagine you living in the streets all scriptures is god breathed and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction for training that's where you get life training in that small group life group setting where you are trained, equipped, and strengthened, who knows, for the situation that's going to hit you on the next day. So, we must be equipped, we must live to do good, but how are we trained? Training in righteousness is received through this reciprocal discipleship. You learn from me, I learn from you, and we say, wow, the Holy Spirit gave us the same direction, same thought, same instruction and truth from the scriptures. And both in a life group, as we get to know each other, reproof and correction, though they're not easy, they're life-saving. Let me close with this. Last night, my wife and I watched a movie about Jessica Watson this young girl in Australia that in 2009, at the age of 16, she said she wanted to sail around the world. Watch it. It's a very interesting. True story. Left me wondering if... I'm drawn to that. I would love to do that. But to go around the world alone? And I think of that saying, everyone's a sailor in a harbor. Right? Everyone knows what to do when you're together. And, and, and life seems to be out there, and we're safe in here. But then once you leave the harbor and the storms come, they say that she um, was capsized seven different times through the storms that she went through. And she was breaking down after a while, after so many days. She was on the, on the, on the ocean for seven months, and there was times with no wind whatsoever. She was all alone, and she was losing her mind. The one thing that she had was a satellite phone. Now in life, you may or may not have a satellite phone. And being alone in a crowd can destroy you. She was connected to her parents and connected to her teachers through that satellite phone. And that's what gave her the strength to keep on going and not give up. Years ago, a pastor decided to do an experiment with changing the sad statistics of a church which say that out of 12 people, in three years, 10 of them will leave the church. Those are statistics. In bigger churches, you don't know because of a revolving door. As long as the seats are filled, we're all good. But not if you're a church that's small size and, and you become a family and you care about every single person. How do you change those statistics? He made a list of 12 people who had recently been baptized, and then he and his wife called them over for dinner. And they had a great dinner, and they were enthusiastic for showing up at the pastor's house. At the end of dinner, he asked them a very interesting question. He said, if they would like for him to predict their futures for the next two or three years. They're not Pentecostal, but he's looking at statistics. 
Would you like to know what's going to happen with your life in the next three years for the 12 of you? They were a little surprised, and they said, okay, tell us, what do you think is going to happen to us? So he made this prediction. As I look at the 12 of you, I predict statistically that over the next two or three years, two of your marriages will break up. And your feelings of shame will cause you to leave the church. Two. Three of you will have conflict with somebody in the church, and you also will leave the church. You've seen that, right? You stepped on the wrong foot, you were stabbed in the back, I'm done. Because if you're not rooted, you got nothing to lose. And that's the mindset, the American mindset, being independent. Waste no sweat, lose no blood. What? You're going to do that to me? See ya. There's a church down the street. That's the mindset that we have. But that's not church. That's that consumer mentality. Albertson or Fred Myers, who cares? Go as a better deal. That's not church. God's will is that you are connected, rooted to a church family. One of you will experience tragedy and lose faith. You too will leave the church. Two of you will have some sort of moral failing and you will leave the church. Two of the four remaining will simply lose interest and drift away from the church for no obvious reason. In two or three years out of this group of 12, only two of you will be attending church and only one of you will be attending this church. Time-tested statistics. There was dead silence in the room. All of these wide-eyed new Christians looked around each other. And they said, how could that happen to us? Remember the 12 in the room? Oh, Lord, not I. I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to deny you or betray you. And then when they came, they all left. One of them left his clothes behind. John Mark, right? Anything but, I'm going to run away. The pastor was waiting for to hear that question, and he answered. He said, you can get together if you don't want this to happen. You can get together and as a group decide that you're not going to let anyone Go. That's exactly what they did. These strangers who had never been together until they met at the pastor's house formed themselves into a small group. Week by week, they came to know each other. They supported each other through tragedies, divorces, conflicts, and moral failings. In four years of meeting together, only one person left the church. That small caring group changed the statistics from losing 10 out of 12 to 1 out of 12. Even Jesus said that. What changed? Do we want to grow as Christians? Do we want to show love to others? Do we want to fall in love with the Lord Jesus? Do we want our faith to be strengthened? Our knowledge of Scripture that will change us and gives us strength in life? The first church shows us the pattern. Home groups. Home groups during the week at any time, anywhere, and then gathering in celebration on Sunday morning for what God has been doing in our lives throughout the week. As we look at Scripture, we'll see how God uses this mode of ministry to reach out to your neighbors, your families, which would never walk into a church, but they'll come to your home, and there they will meet those who love Jesus. We were not meant to be alone. Each of us is meant to be rooted in God's Word. His plan, His direction for our lives, is that we prosper in Him. He wants good things for each of us. He speaks words of power and love. 
words we can count on. When we go it alone, it is our own doing. When we cut ourselves off from Jesus' word, we only hurt ourselves. We need Jesus as a single source of living water to abide in us, because he delights in granting us good things. Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving us all our sin and giving us new life. Help us always choose to be connected to your word and abide in you. Amen. Join us next week. Hear how you can be connected to Life Groups. Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.